Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, July 31st. I'm Lorraine Gasses. These are today's headlines. The United States is facing a grim new warning. A key model predicting the number of coronavirus deaths could rise to 230,000 by November. In Washington, more Republicans breaking with President Trump after he suggests delaying November's presidential election. And in the warm waters of the Atlantic, Hurricane Isaias taking shape. Its next stop, the Bahamas, and after that, the east coast of the U.S. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. The nation's top health experts are testifying on Capitol Hill about the federal government's response to the coronavirus pandemic. The hearing comes as more than 150,000 people have died from the virus in the U.S., and the country leads the world in total cases with over 4 million infected. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, says that without a national effort to adhere to preventative measures, it will be impossible to predict how much longer the pandemic will last in the country. But he remains hopeful about the timeline for vaccine development. There's never a guarantee that you're going to get a safe and effective vaccine. But from everything we've seen now in the animal data, as well as the early human data, we feel cautiously optimistic that we will have a vaccine by the end of this year and as we go into 2021. Dr. Fauci told lawmakers that a coronavirus vaccine may not be available to all Americans immediately, but in phases and encouraged everyone to get that vaccine once it's ready. Also testifying earlier was Dr. Robert Redfield, director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. He repeated his stance that schools should reopen this fall, saying it's the best interest of K through 12 students to get back in face to face learning. Meanwhile, new models predicting the death toll due to coronavirus could hit 230,000 by November in the U.S. This as health officials say the Midwest is now the new hotspot. States taking precautions, bracing for the surge. As cases in the U.S. inch closer to four and a half million, a key coronavirus model now projects there could be more than 230,000 deaths by November, up 11,000 from previous forecasts. Florida on Thursday reporting a record number of COVID-19 related deaths for the third day in a row and now also facing the threat of Hurricane Isaias. I think in the next probably 8 to 12 hours will be uh, very significant in terms of how much it's able uh, to gather uh, strength as it goes over the mountains of Hispaniola. Uh, but we, we do look to potentially have some impacts in the state of Florida. Uh, and this is something that's been kind of a pretty big storm. Authorities closing down coronavirus testing sites for safety purposes and trying to figure out how to provide adequate social distancing inside shelters. These as officials are warning cases are starting to surge in the Midwest. Now we see the virus, probably because of vacations and other reasons of travel, moving up into Kentucky, Tennessee, southern Ohio, Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska. And of course, we continue to have problems across the West Coast. Ohio reporting a new high on Thursday with more than 1,700 new cases. In the South, Louisiana has now the highest number of cases per capita in the nation. 
We are above Arizona, above New York, above New Jersey, Florida, all these other states. In Wisconsin, the governor has issued a statewide mask mandate, but he is concerned it might not stand for long, considering the state Supreme Court reversed a statewide safer-at-home order in May. Meanwhile, the head of Operation Warp Speed says he expects a COVID vaccine to be about 90% effective. I am optimistic that we will have vaccines for everybody within the year 2021. Ideally, within the first half of the year 2021, that's our objective. Dr. Fauci telling CNN that although early results are promising, he is not sure achieving 90% effectiveness is realistic. The vaccine-induced neutralizing antibodies uh, in the recipients uh, rather robust to the level that you would say is at least as good or better than what's induced by natural infection, namely what we're seeing in convalescent plasma. So that's the first good indication mm. that gets us to be optimistic that we'll get a good percentage. I'm not sure it'll be 90 percent, but I think it's going to be reasonably good. Florida again today for the fourth day in a row had a record number of deaths, 257 people. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation says if the U.S. universally adopted wearing masks, the number of deaths by November would drop from the projected 230,000 to less than 200,000. And now moving on to Washington, President Trump facing intense backlash after suggesting to delay the 2020 election over fears of mail-in voting fraud. Democrats and even some Republicans quickly dismissing the idea. Andrea Linares has the latest. Reactions are pouring in after President Trump suggested in a tweet to delay the 2020 election, saying it could be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history with universal mail-in voting. I don't want to see a crooked election. But there's no evidence that mail-in voting leads to widespread fraud. Even Trump's staunchest Republican allies quickly, firmly and publicly dismissed the idea of delaying the election. Well, never in the history of the country, uh, through wars, uh, depressions, and the Civil War, have we ever not had a federally scheduled election on time? And we'll find a way to do that again this November 3rd. Meanwhile, New Hampshire's Republican Governor Chris Sununu tweeting this. Make no mistake, the election will happen in New Hampshire on November 3rd. End of story. Our voting system in New Hampshire is secure, safe and reliable. We have done it right 100 percent of the time for 100 years. This year will be no different. Trump later said mail-in voting could cause uncertainty in the election. I don't want to delay. I want to have the election. But I also don't want to have to wait for three months and then find out that the ballots are all missing and the election doesn't mean anything. So far, 24 states have altered some normal laws or regulations to make casting a ballot easier and safer in light of the coronavirus. Some of these states include California and Vermont, predominantly Democrat. They will be sending all registered voters an absentee ballot while also providing for in-person voting. Eight other states are planning to send absentee ballot applications to all registered voters. Now to the big question. Um, can a president delay a presidential election? Senator, the, 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 in the end, the Department of Justice, others will, will make that legal determination. 
And the answer to that question is that the president has no power to delay the election. That would require an act of Congress. Any move by Congress to delay the election into 2021 would also require a constitutional amendment. But let's remember that Democrats control the House of Representatives and many members have said they will not support any delay. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. And as nationwide protests for racial justice continue, demonstrators not letting up in Portland. Thursday night's protests remained overwhelmingly calm past midnight with no troopers in sight. Oregon State Police took on high-profile assignment of providing security at the courthouse after the Trump administration this month sent more than 100 federal officers to guard the building, leading to larger crowds of thousands protesting their presence and widespread condemnation by city and state officials and members of Congress. Elsewhere across the country, as Jeffrey Epstein associate Ghislaine Maxwell is awaiting trial in New York, newly released documents are providing insight into the charges she's facing. A deposition from 2016 made public alleges Maxwell was a recruiter for Epstein's underage sex ring. Testimony from Virginia Jufre, one of Maxwell's alleged victims, implicates Prince Andrew and former New Mexico governor Bill Richardson. Previously, both Prince Andrew and Richardson had denied the allegations against them. The woman also reports seeing former President Bill Clinton on Epstein's private island. When she asked Epstein about why Clinton was there, she said Epstein told her that Clinton owed him a favor. Clinton has previously denied ever going to Epstein's island. And another top story we're following, the mother of murdered Fort Hood soldier Vanessa Guillen meeting with President Trump on Thursday, demanding a federal investigation into her daughter's death and sexual harassment allegations. Her undocumented mother, who is advocating for a bill to reform the military's system for sexual abuse cases, was granted a humanitarian permit so she could attend the White House meeting. Edwin Pitti has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin, what's the latest? Lorraine, it was definitely a historic meeting for the Vanessa Guillen family, especially her mom, saying that since the beginning they were made fun of from many generals in Fort Hood and also they were denied the opportunity of meeting Texas Governor Greg Abbott. This is what the mom said when she met with President Trump. Murió y salió toda la luz, todo lo que estaba pasando en las bases militares. Yo sé que usted tiene hijos, sabe lo que es amar un hijo. Right before that meeting at the White House, Vanessa Guillén's mom talked to, the, to a lot of people, hundreds of people that protested from Capitol Hill all the way to the White House to show them support. They didn't want to leave the family alone in these hard times that they're going through right now. So they were right there showing support, especially for the radical reform that they are looking to implement inside the military when it comes to justice. So the soldiers feel more comfortable stepping forward and reporting sexual harassment and sexual abuse. President Trump said that he will get to the bottom of this, and this is what he said. As you know, the FBI and the DOJ are now involved. We got them involved. And the people at Fort Hood, where it took place, are very much involved. Uh, we didn't want to have this swept under the rug, which could happen. 
President Trump Lorraine also offering financial assistance to the family to cover the funeral, but the Army is supposed to be paying for that right now. But the Vanessa Guillen family thanking all the people that were with them yesterday here in Washington, D.C. They came from all over the country, but the, but the real job now starts. Many organizations are trying to organize in a better way to support the Vanessa Guillen family, and that's why they are calling for a national vigil on August 15 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Lorraine? Well, thank you so much, Edwin, for that report from Washington, D.C. And welcome back to U News. We're continuing to track the latest major storm threat to the U.S. As it churns in the Atlantic, Isaias now officially a hurricane. The storm system is heading for the Bahamas, moving northwest with maximum sustained winds of 80 miles per hour. This after hitting the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico with torrential rain. A hurricane warning has been issued for the central and southeastern Bahamas, and tropical storm warnings have been issued for Miami-Dade and Broward counties. Further north, a hurricane watch is now in effect from Palm Beach County to Volusia County. And now to the southwest, along the dividing line between Texas and Mexico, a privately built border wall remains a controversial fixture in the community. But as Pedro Rojas reports, that structure is facing a new problem. The more than three miles of privately funded border wall built at the beginning of this year in Mission, Texas, is already showing its vulnerability after being exposed to the wrath of Hurricane Hannah. A drone video recorded this week by the Texas Tribune in ProPublica is showing evidence of erosion in some sections of the structure. Mariana Trevino Wright is the director of the National Butterfly Center that has filed a lawsuit because of the construction. There is a reason it is called the Rio Bravo. Mm -hmm. and grass isn't going to stop the erosion. Mariana and her legal team provided us with these photos that detail the death of the cracks caused by the erosion. Brian Colfach is the founder of We Build the Wall that with Fisher Industries funded the construction. He spoke about the source of the erosion. The only reason why there was um, erosion is because the stretch of that wall with the grass did not grow proper. He added that personnel from Fisher Industries is on site working on making the necessary repairs. Property owners in this area are concerned that if this structure falls, it's going to affect their land. If we ever get a big flood, the water will hit that uh, cement wall and uh, I'm afraid it will push it to my property and eat half of my property. We also asked Brian Colfach about the tweet that President Trump sent a few weeks ago stating that the erosion at the private border wall was making him look bad. There are some people on, on his side that, you know, that are, are Democrats and they don't support what we're doing. Colfach also revealed that the Department of Homeland Security is working on approving to them projects to build a smaller sections of the border fence. In Mission, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. 
Yesterday, China is rejecting charges that hackers linked to his government targeted biotech firm Moderna Inc., a leading U.S.-based coronavirus vaccine research developer, to steal data. Chinese officials saying the accusations are baseless and without evidence. Last week, the U.S. Justice Department made public an indictment of two Chinese nationals accused of spying on the United States, including three unnamed U.S.-based targets involved in medical research to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. And as Latin America continues to see a dramatic rise in cases, yesterday Cuba's top epidemiologist scolded his fellow citizens for letting down their guard too quickly. He reported nine new cases over the past several days. Just days, 10 days ago, Cuba registered zero coronavirus cases for the first time since the outbreak began. And meanwhile, more than one million Chileans on Thursday asked to withdraw a portion of their pension funds as a controversial law took effect allowing citizens to tap into retirement savings to buffer the economic impacts of the coronavirus. The websites of several of the fund administrators collapsed Thursday morning amid the deluge of requests prompting an apology from financial firms. The emergency measure allows those with savings to withdraw up to 10% of their pensions. And Brazil's first lady, Michelle Bolsonaro, is said to be in good health following the news positive for the coronavirus. Michelle Bolsonaro was last seen in public on Wednesday afternoon when she attended an official event in Brasilia with her husband. President Jair Bolsonaro tested positive on July 7, but tested negative last Saturday. Coronavirus has meant more people avoiding planes and hotels and a cascade of camping across the country. Good news for outdoor stores like Mountain Air Sports in Santa Barbara, where the little things are selling well. Fuel and food, like the backpacking food and things that as you use them, you got to get more. Well, we've seen a lot of people already have like the tents and packs and stuff like that, but they're just going more, so they need more of the smaller accessory type stuff. But many are also going big, investing in rooftop tents for car camping. People are doing road trips instead of going overseas. Car racks, transportation kind of business has been um, quite a bit busier than it normally would be. We have so much work at this point, we can't keep up with it. Santa Barbara Outdoor Gear in Goleta is building more custom camping setups for cars and trucks than ever before. I mean, we're putting rooftop tents on Prius, and we're putting rooftop tents on CRVs, we're putting rooftop tents on vehicles you would never think possible. We try to build vehicles where you can go where people aren't. You can go off-grid and be able to camp in your own little special area. We have no more stock. Like, we can't get new tents. Um, it's been almost impossible to keep up with the demand as far as a roof rack goes. But demand is so high, there's a growing wait list for customers. And with most state and national parks either closed or reservations full, that demand for car camping may stick around as long as the pandemic does. Shay Rodriguez, U News. And a major chain announcing a bailout plan in the light of the pandemic. Representatives for California Pizza Kitchen say the company will fi file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The chain says most of its business comes from in-person dining, so the pandemic has been brutal on its bottom line. The 35-year-old company says it will shut down some unprofitable locations, but California Pizza Kitchen says new financing will help it emerge from bankruptcy in a stronger position. And in other consumer news, Coca-Cola is trying to hand a new market. The soda company plans to launch a hard seltzer. The drink will be under the cult favorite brand, Topo Chico. The company purchased that brand in 2017 for $220 million. 
Coke's hard seltzer will be introduced initially in select cities in Latin America later this year. The company has not said if it will eventually bring the product to the U.S. And now to the world of entertainment. Taylor Swift announcing that she has changed the branding of her album after being accused of copying a logo. Amila Russell is the founder of The Folklore, an online retailer. She posted photos of Swift merchandise, including cardigans that bear the phrase The Folklore Album. Russell says the designer of these products, quote, ripped off my company's logo. According to InStyle, Swift removed the merchandise from her site replacing them with a few design, uh, designs that reads Folklore Album. Swift sent a message to Razul saying she admired her work and was ma making a donation to her company. And several classic sitcoms from the 90s are making a comeback courtesy of Netflix. The, this week, the streaming giant announced it is adding seven classic black shows from the 1990s, including hit shows like Sister, Sister, Moesha, and The Game. The company shared the news on its official Twitter accounts for Netflix Strong Black Lead. It launched Strong Black Lead in 2018 to amplify both black content and black creators. And speaking of two of food, two young culinary talents in Colorado aren't letting coronavirus get them down. Their sweet and tasty ideas have earned them some fans and some major support. Maridi Marungi introduces us to the Hawkins sisters. A cheesecake-filled ice cream cone with sprinkles to top it off. I can do it. This is more than a kid's tasty creation. It's a serious business venture. We started planning out um, it on paper, our flavors and what we would do with our cones. 11-year-old Zaire Hawkins and 9-year-old Charles Hawkins are the CEOs of Little Sister's Treats. And the cheesecake cone is their specialty. The girls have business meetings. <laughs> they are serious about this thing. The sister's mom, Marietta Hawkins, says the young entrepreneurs love doing research for their business. So while picking up a friend's birthday cake from Sugar Sisters Bakery in Castle Rock, Marietta told the owners she wanted to bring her daughters to the store and show them some baking possibilities. And I took my girls over there and um, the employee, I said, hey, can you go get the sisters? I want them to meet my daughters, the Little Sisters treats. When the Sugar Sisters finally came out, the Little Sisters were in for an unexpected treat. They were like bawling and they just said, we've been trying to find you on Facebook. We've just been waiting for them to come in. Sugar Sisters owners Molly Witt and Rebecca Lydon say Marietta's story about her daughter's business stuck with them and they wanted to uplift these little girls who will face many challenges. These are two young black girls um, who want to own their own business and with everything going on, we wanted to be authentic. Um, and then Becca texted me and was like, I have an idea, why don't we give all of our COVID donation money to the girls? So after one month of searching for Zaire and Charles, when they finally walked through the door. We said, oh my gosh, you're here. We're so excited that you are here. The two sisters, the sugar, sugar sisters, sisters. Um, we just, it was just meant to be. Wit and Lydon gave Zaire and Charles $1,015. And while mom screamed with excitement, Zaire and Charles were a little more reserved, but just as grateful and excited about what this means for the future of Little Sisters Treats. We want to get a food truck 
we want to hire uh, other young girls. We want to inspire other children to be their own CEO. Maridi Morungi, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.